Poor leadership in good times can be hidden, but poor leadership in bad times is a recipe for disaster. We have found the number one leadership behavior that direct reports expect and need from their boss is the ability to inspire and motivate others. Sadly, it is also the leadership behavior that is ranked dead last in performance. We're not very inspiring. And in fact, a lot of leaders are flat out uninspiring. In this episode, we are exploring the cost of uninspiring leadership and the 10 common fatal flaws that keep leaders from motivating their teams. Welcome to the 90th percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna Corin, and joining me today is my co-host, Joe Folkman, renowned psychometrician. It's nice to have you back, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Bree. And so usually we talk about strengths, but today we're going to turn that around and talk about uninspiring leaders. So last month, when um, I brought the kids and stayed with you and mom, um, because I, I failed to mention in the intro that you're my father for anyone who's <laughs> new to the podcast. That might I'll let anybody weird. stay in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let any of my employees come stay with me. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of have an in there. Anyway, but I went downstairs to turn the light off in the basement because the kids had been finding old dress ups down there. And I heard the sound no one ever wants to hear. I heard water, running water. And I went, mm, that, you shouldn't hear that down in this basement. So I went to the room where I was hearing it and water was shooting out of the wall. I, I panicked. I went upstairs. I was yelling. I was like, Joe, you have a leak. We got we to fix it. And I, I took charge. I told the kids, grab all the towels in the house, get downstairs and buckets. And I tried to catch the water and clean up the leak in the room with like 40 towels. And I'm like throwing stuff out of the room and yelling orders for people to move things. And no one was listening to me <laughs> when I turned around. I, my, my two brothers were there at the time. And it turns out towels just really are not that effective with that much water in the room. And then <laughs> I didn't also realize that you have a dry vacuum. So my brother just kind of shook his head and um, yeah. And when you don't have running water for the next few days because of the leak, uh, having 40 towels with gross water on them and trying to dry them is another thing too. So um, I'm glad my brothers ignore me. But in that moment, the whole point of this story is I realized that I was both ineffective and very uninspiring. <laughs> as was I, as I, I was so frustrated. I couldn't get the water turned off at the meter. It was, it was fun. It was fun time, but I share this embarrassing experience as an illustration of uninspiring leadership. And that is quite common. And it's not just from being lazy or apathetic. Apparently you can try really, really hard and be a very uninspiring leader. People really struggle with inspiring and motivating others. And some are good at it. Uh, actually, not that many. You know, seventy-two percent are better at pushing yeah. drive results than than pulling. So, only twenty-two percent in our database were better at at inspiring. 
so I'd like to demonstrate the impact of being an uninspiring leader. And I clearly understand the difficulty of being an inspiring leader. But is it okay to be an uninspiring leader? Yeah. I define an uninspiring leader as a leader who is rated by managers, peers, and direct reports and others at or below the 10th percentile on their ability to inspire and motivate others. All right. So let's, let's get into these numbers. I want to know these uninspiring leaders, what was their overall rating of leadership effectiveness? A number that we love. The ninth percentile on overall effectiveness. That's super low. That's like not effective at all. Okay. What percentage of leaders who had this fatal flaw were highly engaged in their own work? willing to give that extra effort? Well, a whopping 2.6%. <laughs> so oh my gosh. Only the weird ones. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what was the average engagement then of the people working for them, their teams, their direct reports? 23rd percentile. Oh, okay. This is terrible. Okay. What about the percentage of direct reports who were thinking about quitting? 47%. Wow. Just about half. Yeah. And they probably weren't quietly (laughs) thinking about it, right? No. (laughs) Yeah. None of that sounds good. So what was it these leaders were doing that was so wrong? Well, to find out why leaders fail, we scrutinized results from two studies. Now, in one, we collected 360 feedback data on more than 450 Fortune 500 executives And then we teased out the common characteristics of 31 who were fired. (laughs) (laughs) So something went wrong over the, over the last three years. And, and then uh, on the second study, we analyzed 360 data from over 11,000 leaders, identified those in the 10th percentile or the bottom 10% uh, who were also considered least effective. And then we compared the ineffective leaders with the fired leaders to come up with the 10 most common leadership shortcomings. So every bad leader had at least one of these and many had several. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get started. What was the number one fatal flaw? So number one was the lack of energy and enthusiasm. They see new initiative as a burden and they rarely volunteer. They fear being overwhelmed. And so, you know, everything is like just terrible. And one such leader was described as having the ability to suck all the energy out of the room. <laughs> what, what a wonderful way to be described. <laughs> yeah. I hope they didn't say it at his funeral. He had the ability, you know, yeah, right, this, this to person suck all the energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that is terrible. And I, ah, uh, I think a lot of people, this is this is the number one reason, and people struggle with this. I think it's important to ask yourself, what kind of energy am I bringing into the room? You know, people don't expect you to be their hype man every day, but positive energy does go a long way. So what's it next? Does. This is like working for Eeyore, right? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's Not all going to go. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next one was they accepted their own mediocre performance and they overstated the difficulty of reaching targets. And so they weren't very good at achieving them either. They live by the mantra, 
under promise, over deliver. <laughs> now, salespeople call this sandbagging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people rise and fall to meet your level of expectation for them. Right. Uh, it's, it's hard to be inspired by someone who is always tired or burnt out, doesn't want to go the extra mile. And those attitudes, like we said, they, they trickle down to other team members. So what's next? Yeah, and and the next one was this lack of clear vision and direction. Uh, they believe their only job was to execute, like the hiker who sticks to the trail, and they're fine until they come to a fork in the trail, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're like, ooh, I had to make a decision. I listened to an interview recently that was about the start of Tinder and how the company actually started out as an app called Cardify. Did you know that? I yeah, they, it was kind of like this, you know, started out, they were making a lot of different apps and, and Cardify was their main one. It would help customers track rewards points with different businesses. That was their main focus and they were trying to sell it, but the companies weren't really excited about it. And it was really hard to get people to download this app and, you know, make it a habit in their lives. So they started shifting their focus to Tinder and they launched it on a couple college campuses and immediately they saw the downloads and the interest. And so they shifted away from Cardify. They switched gears. And if they had kept going down that same path, they never would have experienced the, the success they had with, with Tinder. So those uninspiring leaders, they lack that vision direction. They might just keep going down the same path, even when all the signs are pointing to turn, go a different direction. Yeah, that's true. The third one is they have poor judgment. They make decisions that colleagues and subordinates consider not to be in the organization's best interest. Hmm. So, you know, they made decisions, but they weren't good ones. <laughs> yeah. The next one is they refuse to collaborate. They avoid peers. They act independently. They view other leaders as competitors. And as a result, they're set adrift by the very people whose insights and support they need. Yeah, I was listening to an interview from Walter Isaacson, who wrote that new biography that I can't wait to to read on Elon Musk. But he, they did mention in there that Elon, I mean, here's a person who's so driven. He would rewrite people's code at night because he just didn't think it was good enough. <laughs> and I'm sure when the person got to work in the morning and saw that all their work was undone, it didn't feel very good. <laughs> it didn't help. Yeah, so there's only so much one person can do. And if you hoard information and responsibility, it doesn't really benefit you or the organization. Got to share, share it around. The next one is they failed to walk their talk. You know, they set standards of behavior or expectations of performance, and then they violated them. They, they sort of believed that you, know, you could say one thing and do another, and they mm. were perceived as lacking integrity. The next one was that some people were resistant to new ideas. They rejected suggestions from subordinates and peers. Good ideas were not implemented in organizations that were like that. They get stuck. Yeah. So in, in the beginning of the Lego company, which is very old, back at, you know, during World War II, they made wooden toys. And after the war, plastics became available in Denmark and the founder, Ole Kirk, 
really felt that plastic was the future for toys. It was just so much easier to mold and shape and you could get it done, but it was expensive to shift everything over. And he wanted to make the investment, but his son, who was going to inherit everything, Gottfried, was really resistant and he didn't want to take the risk and make the investment. But Ole insisted. He loved these plastic building bricks. Um, and at first they called them automatic binding bricks because you could make them into anything, but they didn't sell well at first. And Godfrey wanted to drop them because the numbers didn't make sense. But Ole Kirk was convinced that people would love them just to keep giving them a chance. And all these years later, I can't tell you how many Legos I've stepped on. It's become <laughs> one of the biggest toy companies in the world. So yeah, we do need to watch our resistance to new ideas because, I mean, it's just always saying no or being closed-minded isn't very inspiring. And that can be really hard for those people who are not risk-takers. You know, Jack always, always refers to people like this as the abominable no-man. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> no, we can't do that. No, no. no. Uh, the next issue is that uh, these people did not learn from their mistakes. They may not make any more mistakes than their peers, but they failed to use the setbacks as an opportunity for learning and improvement. They tended to hide their errors and brood over them instead. Hmm. They also lacked interpersonal skills. And, you know, we recently wrote a, an article about the importance of interpersonal skills. So these were both the sins of commission. They were abrasive and bullying and sins of, of omission aloof, unavailable, and reluctant to praise. Ah. Finally came the issue of the failure to develop others. They focused on themselves and to the exclusion of developing subordinates, causing individuals in the team to disengage. If there's one thing people want in organizations, they want the opportunity to develop. Yeah. And then this is quite a list, and we need to recognize that uninspiring leaders do damage in an organization. They really do. They destroy engagement, increase in turnover of their direct reports. However, they do even more damage to themselves, being rated very negatively as leaders, having almost no chance of being promoted or being given a high-performance rating. You know, I was talking with a group today and said, if, if any of you work for a terrible leader and several people raised their hand and, and I asked the question, did they know they were terrible? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, and they all said, no, yeah. but everybody else did. Right. And, and so this is why we, we are so committed and really the, the problem with people is they don't understand the impact of their own behavior. And this is why 360 helps so much and yeah. it's so important. So uh, as you think about this, Bree, we found that improving to just an average effectiveness level changes every one of these numbers. So here are a few things you can do to turn things around. Number one, bring a positive attitude to work. If you come to work angry and frustrated, other people will notice. If you yeah. come to work positive and engaged, you will make a significant difference. Number two, make every interaction as positive as possible. The third thing is create a positive team environment. 
make sure that you create a team where others want to be part of that team and they want to join. When conflict occurs, work hard to get that conflict resolved quickly. Those are great suggestions. We are actually going to have a webinar about this topic uh, later on this month. We'd love for all of our listeners to join us and learn a little bit more about uninspiring leadership because, you know, not every leader can be great at the 90th percentile of inspiration. We realize this is something we struggle with, but I, you know, I believe that every leader can be good at it. They can become better and they can do that in their own way using a style that is comfortable to them. So don't give up on inspiration. We all need some of that quality to make a difference in the world. The 90th Percentile and Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna O'Corin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.